we're, we're in week four of our series called Jesus Unveiled as we look through the, the book of Revelation. If you want to follow along with what the slides we're going to have up there, um, Pastor Sean earlier talked about our digital welcome card, uh, alpinechurch.org forward slash Layton. There's a link there for pursuegod.org slash AC, and that's where you can always, every single week, that's where you can find our resources and follow along. So if you want to follow along with today's message, today in week number four of our series, we're talking about the dragon and the two beasts. Raise your hand if you've enjoyed our Revelation series so far. Is that good? I've enjoyed it. It's been great. I've been studying Revelation uh, this whole year in my, just in my own personal uh, Bible study time. I hope that that would inspire you. If what I said right there is, is a new concept to you, that a person would study the Bible on their own apart from what you're learning in church, then I want to just pause on that for a second and encourage you to read the Bible on your own. So now I'll say it again. Earlier this year, I started studying the book of Revelation. What that means is I just, in my own prayer time, in my own quiet time, in my own personal relationship with God, I just said, I want to start reading through the book of Revelation. And, and it, it happens to be that now we're doing a series on it, but those two things aren't necessarily connected. Because my wife and I, we both do this. We read the Bible, not just when we come to church. Our kids read the Bible, not just when they come to church. I hope you would do the same thing. Whether you're a longtime Christian, whether you, you are a young person who comes with your parents, I want, you to, I want you to know your pursuit of God is yours to own. And so I encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. Okay, so, so I was reading through Revelation. I thought, man, this is really good. And now we're doing a series on Revelation. And um, I'm realizing right now that maybe we have the wrong slides in there, G, because that second slide is definitely not my slide. Do you want to go check on that? Go to the next one, guys. Let me, let me just check real quick. Okay, yeah, we're good. We're good. As long as... The... Oh, it is? Okay. Well, that's my bad. Sorry, that was just a little bit of a, little bit of a um, issue we had to work through there. Thank you, Pastor Jared. I know I should have. That was on me. That was on me. I should have looked. We had some technical difficulties this morning, and you guys didn't even know about it until right now, okay? Um, but anyway, so if you're, if you're joining us, if, you're gonna, if you want to join us in God's Word, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, turn to Revelation chapter 13. That's where we are today. As I said, we're talking today about the dragon and the two beasts, but I want to start with this idea. Throughout history, Satan has deceived people through counterfeit Christs. And the first beast in Revelation, and we're going we're gonna to introduce all this, so if you're like, what are we talking about, the first beast in Revelation? I want, we're going to talk today about the Antichrist, we're going to talk about the mark of the beast today. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the mark of the beast. Keep your hand up if you're sure you know what the mark of the beast is. Good, thank you. Everyone should have their hands down, because most of us should, because I'm not even sure completely that I know, but I'm going to share a little bit about my thoughts about the mark of the beast. Um, so we're going to be talking about all of that. And, and before I even get to this, I want to just say that as we've studied Revelation and we're opening Revelation, again, our whole goal here isn't to uh, just, you know, read Revelation with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the next hand. You know, we've got a pandemic we're in right now. We've got locusts. We've got wars and rumors of wars. We've got all kinds of stuff going on, crazy stuff going on. And if you come into church saying you're waiting for me to tell you who the Antichrist is, you're waiting for me to tell you what the mark of the beast is? 
like it's some maybe UPC code you might get. I just want you to know you might be disappointed because what we're going to be doing, as we have been doing in this whole series, is we're trying to focus more on what the book of Revelation is really about, which is not speculation. The book of Revelation is really about revealing Jesus. Because the whole Bible is about revealing Jesus. Your whole life is about revealing Jesus. And so the book of Revelation is all about unveiling who Jesus is and how he fits into all of history. And so in, in past lessons, we've, we've seen, we see this picture in Revelation. By the way, if you're new here today, Revelation is a, is a revelation that God gave to John, one of Jesus' disciples. John is the only disciple alive at this point. All the other ones have been martyred. John is still alive. He's exiled on an island called Patmos. And he writes, this, he writes down this revelation, and that's what we have in the last book of the Bible. It's the revelation that God gave to John, and John is writing down this revelation. If you've been following along, there's crazy stuff in the book of Revelation. There is crazy stuff, and today is one of the craziest. Where Today is going to feel more like a um, Lord of the Rings movie than anything else. You're going to say, wait, these are, these, this is really in the Bible? This is really in the Bible. And I encourage you to read Revelation chapter 12 and chapter 13, because that's what we're covering today, mainly chapter 13. But you have to understand chapter 12 a little bit in order to stand chapter, understand chapter 13. So let me just give you a little bit of setup here. In chapter 12, all of a sudden, John gets this vision of a woman and a dragon, a red dragon, for real. It's right in there in, John, in Revelation chapter 12. It's a woman and a red dragon. And I want, I want you to know right off the bat, as you're reading this, it's helpful to know what they're even talking about. Because if you don't understand sort of basic interpretation and what, who's the woman and what does the woman represent, what, is the, what does the woman symbolize? And who's the dragon and what does the dragon represent? And what does the dragon symbolize? And then in chapter 13, we, get, we are introduced to this beast that comes up out of the sea. And later on in Revelation 13, we see a beast that comes up out of the land. So we have a, we have a woman, we have a dragon, and we have two beasts. And I'm going to explain to you what I believe all of those things mean in general terms. We're going to talk about it a little bit. And then we're going to see if we can figure out how to open these things and have communion. So that's kind of an outline of where we're going for the next 25 minutes. But the woman, I'll tell you right now, the woman in Revelation 12 is the church. So keep that in mind. When you're reading Revelation 12 later today or this week, when you read about the woman in Revelation 12, that's the church, the people of God. And when you read about the dragon in Revelation 12, there's actually no question about that because it says right there that the dragon is Satan. It says it right there. It doesn't say that about the woman. You have to kind of understand the rest of Revelation and the, and, and the rest of the Bible to kind of have an understanding that, that the woman is definitely representative of the people of God, the church. And the woman is getting persecuted by the dragon. Just like we've been reading. is all we've, we've been reading about martyrs and we've been reading about this great war. But Revelation chapter 12 describes a war in heaven and Revelation chapter 13 describes a war on earth. I'll say that again. Revelation 12 describes a war in heaven, and Revelation 13 describes a war on earth. It's really important for you to understand this because we're going to kind of dive into the details on Revelation 13, but I want you to know the good news is in Revelation chapter 12, the war in heaven is done. The war in heaven is already won, and the woman wins. You know why the woman wins? 
because she has a child. You know who the child is? Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? We just sang about it, and we're going to celebrate it in just a little bit. Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, and when Jesus did that, he defeated the powers of the dragon. Jesus defeated the powers of sin and death and hell. That's what Jesus did when Jesus came to, went to the cross and died on the cross. And so Revelation chapter 12 is a reminder that, I want you to hear this, the war in heaven is over and we know who won. Okay? But as you read Revelation 12, the dragon is cast down to earth and the dragon is given the authority to wreak havoc on the earth. And you say, why in the world? Well, we're going to look at that. And so Revelation 13 is a picture of what happens on earth at the end times. And Revelation 12 is a picture of the end of the story. Just so you know, it's all going to be good and Jesus has already won the battle. Even though there's going to be some tribulation here on earth. Does that make sense? If we were in a small group, you could ask some questions, but we're not. I'm preaching, so just sit there and listen. And, uh, and then ask questions in your small groups or, or of Pastor Jared afterward, and, uh, and he'll help answer all that. All right, so here we go. So now, so let's get back to this. Throughout history, Satan has deceived people through counterfeit Christs. That's just true. That's just a true statement. A counterfeit Christ is someone who comes and claims to be a Messiah, claims to be a Savior. Maybe they start a cult. Maybe they turn a nation against its people. Whatever. Hitler's a counterfeit Christ. Stalin's a counterfeit Christ. Any cult leader you can imagine is a counterfeit Christ. So throughout history, Satan has deceived people through counterfeit Christ. In your small groups this week, you can talk about some of those examples from history. But here's what we're talking about today. The first beast in Revelation is the Antichrist who will come in the last days. Now, I want you to notice that the word Antichrist there is a capital A. So we're talking about the final last days Antichrist, and we're going to read this in just a second, but before we read the text in Revelation 13, I think you need to understand some other scripture from the Bible to understand this concept of the Antichrist, because the Antichrist is, just how it sounds, someone who is against Christ, okay? The Antichrist is anyone who is against Christ, anyone who is actively working against Christ. So there is, according to Revelation, there's going to be this last day's final capital A Antichrist that is going to come. For years, for generations, for decades, Christians have speculated about who the Antichrist is. But I want, before we, before we talk about that, I want to make sure that you understand the concept of Antichrist. And for that, let's start in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. John writes this in another book, 1 John. He says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist, notice capital A, is coming. So he's talking about the last day's Antichrist. By the way, this guy, 1 John, is the same guy who wrote Revelation. But in this one, he's, he's doing some teaching. He's writing to the church to teach them. And in Revelation, he's just recording a revelation. But it's the same guy, and it's the same God who inspired this concept and these words. So pay attention. So he says, the last hour is here. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming. And watch what he says. And already many such Antichrists have appeared. Notice that one is lowercase. So what he's saying is there is a last day's Antichrist, capital A, but then there's a lowercase Antichrist, and that is anyone who is in power actively working against God. The list of Antichrists, lowercase a, are, is truly endless. 
We could, we could spend hours writing out the names of people that we think are antichrist, meaning they've worked against God and against God's way. And that doesn't just mean that they speak against God, by the way. It doesn't just mean that they claim to be atheist or something. That could be part of it. It's also just that if they don't at all embody the, the teachings of Jesus, love God, love people, anyone who has hate in their heart, that's an antichrist. He says this, from this we know that the last hour has come. So there are many such antichrists in the world, but I want you to see this next thing. And later on in 1 John, he writes this in chapter 4. He says, if someone claims to be a prophet and doesn't acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person's not from God. Such a person, look at this, has the spirit of the Antichrist. So now we have a third concept, right? So we have capital A Antichrist, last day's Antichrist, this, per, this figure. And we have lowercase a Antichrist, people who are in power, actively working against God. Many such people are alive on the earth today. But now we have this third concept, and this is the one I want to make sure you hear today. And it's called the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming to the world and indeed is already here. The spirit of Antichrist is anyone, anyone, even if they're not in power, even if you don't know their names, it's anyone who has just the heart and the spirit that you are working against God and against God's ways. The spirit of Antichrist is the one that really concerns me because the spirit of Antichrist is this thing that just can kind of seep into our culture. Do you guys know that we have a culture that has the spirit of Antichrist? And when I say that, I know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not trying, those aren't fighting words. I'm just, I'm just trying to say, have you noticed, friends, have you noticed that we live in a culture that has utter disregard for God's truth? That's called the spirit of Antichrist. We live in a culture where we can't even, we can't even share some of the basic things in God's word without getting lambasted on social media, without getting shamed on social media. And I'm not saying you should put that on social media, by the way. Because I think a lot of these things that we need to share need to be shared in mentoring relationships. They need to be shared in our homes, in our families. Well, I want you to share this, parents. We live in a culture where the spirit of Antichrist is running rampant. And one of the things I want you to notice as we go through this message today is that should not surprise us because Revelation was written 2,000 years ago and that's what we're living in. Now, I'm not saying that that means capital A Antichrist is right around the corner. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I shouldn't say he. Maybe she or he is or isn't. We don't know if it's going to be a woman or a man. But what we do know is that the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well in the world today. Young people, it's alive and well in your school today. So don't expect to go to school and feel like you can represent Jesus without some persecution. You will. The answer isn't to not represent Jesus. The answer is just to expect that you're going to come up against some tribulation because spirit of Antichrist is at your school. The spirit of Antichrist is in your community. It's in politics. On both sides, by the way. On both sides. The spirit of Antichrist is anything that, is, that doesn't elevate God's word, God's love, God's truth. And it's all over the place. So now let's go to Revelation 13. Here we go. John, 
this is again, John's writing this, after he talks in chapter 12 about the woman and the, and the dragon. He says, then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. This is the first beast. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns, and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. See the spirit of Antichrist there? And the dragon, Satan, gave the beast, Antichrist, So the dragon is Satan, the beast is the Antichrist. Different figures. The dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. And it says in verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they also worshipped the beast. So you see what's happening here? We have Satan, we have the beast, and we have people worshipping Satan and the beast. Which is blasphemous, because only God is to be worshipped. And so we have incredible blasphemy. People are worshiping the beast and worshiping Satan, saying, who is as great as the beast? Who is able to fight against him? So this is what John warns us about the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is the first beast. One little comment, and then we're going to move on from this section, but one little comment about this is pay attention to who our culture is worshiping Because if that's not capital A Antichrist, then it's at least lowercase a Antichrist. Pay attention to who you worship. Because every culture has idols. Every culture has people and things that we worship, whether it's sports or influencers or whatever. Money. Pay attention to who you worship. Because you should only worship God. And if it happens to be a person and you're worshiping or that person is elevating themselves, that's dangerous because the true response, if someone is, is worshiping a human being, the only godly response for that human being is to say, don't worship me. I'm not to be worshiped. Worship God and God alone. So the first beast is Antichrist. Let's talk about the second beast. The second beast, we'll read about that in a second, is a false prophet who will come in the last days to deceive the world and persecute Christians. These are the two things that Satan loves to do. These are the two weapons of Satan, deception and persecution. If you know anything about world history, those are the two things that Satan loves to do against the church. He loves to deceive the world and persecute the church. Satan loves to deceive the world and persecute the church. I want you to just think about that for a second. In the time that we live in, the world is being deceived by some of the messages that are out there. And Christians are being persecuted and muzzled from sharing the simple truth of God's word. So it should not surprise us that these two things are here today because they've been... It's been this way in every generation. Satan loves to deceive the world, and he loves to persecute Christians. In the last days, this is going to happen. And I want you to just pay attention to to this idea. The second beast is a prophet. So think about this. The dragon is Satan. The first beast out of the sea is the Antichrist. And the second beast is the prophet. And you see what this is? This is a counterfeit trinity. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is how God has always existed. And now when there's this incredible, when there's this war, not only do we have a counterfeit Christ, the Antichrist, it's a fake Messiah, it's a false Messiah, but now we have a counterfeit trinity. We have Satan the dragon, we have the first beast and the second beast. It's not coincidence that there's three, and they're working together to elevate evil in Satan's plan. Let's take a look at it. Revelation 13, 11 and 12. Then I saw, again, John writing this, then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. So the first one comes up out of the sea, the second one comes up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, which again is counterfeit because Jesus is the lamb. But he spoke with the voice of a dragon, which is Satan, and he exercised all the authority, the first beast, the Antichrist, And he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast. The Holy Spirit, you know the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit's role is to to point us to God the Father, is to open our minds and our hearts to worship God the Father. The role of this prophet, the false prophet, the role of this beast, the second beast, the false prophet, his role is, is to get people to worship the first beast. So he's almost like a counterfeit Holy Spirit. And this is what we see. And then it says in verse 14, and with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people, there's deception, who belonged to this world, and he ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast. Again, we don't have time to dive into all this, but if you know the Bible, you just see so many threads of some of these other stories in the Bible just coming into this story here. Verse 15, it says, he was then permitted to give life to the statue so that it could speak, and then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. There's persecution. So it starts with deception. It always does. Satan always starts with deception, and then he finishes it off with persecution. And this is the first, or this is the second beast. And one of the things then that the second beast is going to do is going to introduce what we call the mark of the beast. Now I know we're we're flying through this, but stay with me here because let's talk about the mark of the beast. We talked about the counterfeit Messiah, the Antichrist, the counterfeit Christ. We've talked about the counterfeit Trinity. And the mark of the beast is actually, called, is actually the counterfeit Shema. Now, some of you might say, I don't know what the Shema is. I'll show it to you in a second. The Shema is a Jewish oath of allegiance that we find in Deuteronomy 6. We're going to read that in a second. But that's what the Shema is. If you were a Jewish person thousands of years ago, you would have known the Shema. It's kind of like your motto as a, as a follower of God in the Jewish faith back in Deuteronomy 6. That's called the Shema. It's an oath of allegiance. Taken on the forehead and the hand, it represents your thoughts and your actions. Now, again, just a quick little preview, because there's a lot here, but some of you might not even understand what we're talking about. In Revelation, you're going to see that the mark of the beast, 666, the mark of the beast was taken on their forehead or on their hand. I want you to keep that in mind. I'll show you where that is in just a second. But first, I want to show you what it's counterfeiting. I think it's going to be important for you to see what it's, what it's counterfeiting. Satan is not creative. Satan is a copycat. 
And so what Satan does, and Satan loves to do this, is he takes something that's true and he manipulates it and he makes it into a counterfeit to get you to worship it. And this is what he's doing. He's taking the Shema that was God's idea in Deuteronomy and he's, he's manipulating it and he's creating a counterfeit Shema in the, end, in the last days. Let's look at that. Deuteronomy 6. Okay, so we're going to go back and look at the real Shema. This is the real Shema. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That is the Jewish Shema. If you, again, if you're, a, if you're raised in a Jewish culture, in a, in a Jewish family, you would know that, and you would know it by heart. You know why you would know it by heart? Because of what Moses is saying here. He says, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. You, meet, you need to be you need to like pledge the allegiance to it. That's actually probably the simplest way for us to understand it as Americans. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance. They would pledge their allegiance to God with those words. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. But look at what it says here. I want you to pay attention because this will really help you to connect the dots with what's going on in Revelation 13. It says in verses 7 and 8, Moses, again, still speaking. By the way, Moses is a prophet. So the second beast is like a counterfeit Moses because he's a false prophet. But look at what the real prophet said. The real prophet said, repeat the Shema again and again to your children. Talk about God's commands when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. And watch this. I underlined it. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Okay, pay attention to that. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Hand represents what you do. Forehead represents what you think. Those two things are so connected. What you think and what you do is, is what determines what, where your true allegiance lies. What you think and what you do is what, is what tells the world, it's what tells your family, it's what tells your friends what you really care about. And so that's why Moses is saying this, what you should really care about is the Lord. What you should really care about is God and loving him with all your heart and soul and strength. And this is so important that I want you to tie it to your hands and your forehead. I want to make sure that you take the mark of God on your life. Does that make sense? I want you to take the mark of God on your life. I want you to be imprinted with this. That's the real Shema. Now let's look at Revelation 13. The beast, the false prophet, the counterfeit Moses required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. Where did, where did the beast get that idea from? He's counterfeiting Deuteronomy 6. He says, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name, and later that says the number is 666. We're not going to get into that today, but I'll have, we'll have some more information about that on PursueGod.org this week if you're interested. What I really want you to understand is this, this idea, this concept, this is so important, that 
the mark of the beast, whatever it is, I don't want you to worry about what it is. Some, some people get into like, what could the mark of the beast be? The mark of the beast, what it represents is so much more important. It represents that you have pledged your allegiance to someone other than God. That's what it represents. It represents that you do not want to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. It represents that you don't want to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it represents. So you don't have to go, you don't, to, to really interpret that in your own life, you don't have to go very far. You just have to ask yourself, do I love the Lord my God with everything? And do I love my neighbor as myself? And if you don't, then you are more allied with the dragon than you are with God. And here's what I want to end with today. And I already started with this. I've already said this, but it, it bears repeating. The cosmic battle is already won. We see that in Revelation 12. The woman defeats the beast, and the beast is cast out of heaven, and he takes a third of the angels with him. That's all in Revelation 12. The cosmic battle is already won, though the earthly battle is yet to come. We might not be alive when the last days are here, but guess what? We're alive when the Antichrist is, the spirit of Antichrist is alive and well. So it's kind of all the same thing a little bit. So that's why this message is so important for all of us. And the last thing I want you to know is that Jesus preserves his people in the midst of the hostile forces of Satan. So the question is, are you among his people? Are you, are you committed to him or are you committed to some other idea? Because you don't have to be afraid. You, I, I remember as a kid, I would read Revelation, and I watched, um, what, was the, what was the movie called that we all watched in our youth groups? I can't, left, no, it's not left, that's, that's today's, but there was one in the 70s. Anyone remember? You know, you know what I'm talking about. If you grew up in a Christian church in the 70s, your youth pastor showed you this movie to scare the bejeebies out of you. You know, and it was, it was like a left behind kind of a thing. And I remember, The Thief in the Night, that's, that's what it was called. You can watch it on YouTube. Parents with your kids, go watch Thief in the Night on YouTube this week. It's great. It'll be a great, it'll, it'll be funny because it's so old. But I remember, you know, this is where like people would, people would be raptured and would disappear. And you're like, oh, I didn't make the cut. You know, one of those things. Um, I want you to know you don't have to live in fear if you are a part of the people of God, because Jesus will preserve you. And the battle's already won, by the way. In heaven, the battle's already won. The outcome is already sure. I want to finish with this verse from, from Revelation 14, verse 1. At the end of this crazy, this crazy scene that's more like a movie, in chapter, one, or chapter 14, Revelation, verse 1, John says, I saw a lamb standing in Mount, on Mount Zion. That's Jesus. And with him were 144,000 who had his name. And by the way, that's a representative number, 12 times 12. So that's not a specific number. That is very much a symbolic representative number. So don't, don't worry. There's more than 144,000. Other, in other places, it says a multitude that couldn't be counted. That's great news from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue. That's great news. But look at, look at what it says. Here's how you know if you're counted in that number. It says they had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. That's the mark you want to take. 
That, that, what that means is instead of 666 on your forehead, whatever that means, what you're taking on is, no, I've taken the name of the Lord God on my forehead. There is the one God, the one God. There's one God, Deuteronomy 6. There's one God, and we're to love him with all of our heart, our soul, and our strength. So I want to encourage you today, as you read and study this, and you think about this epic battle that's, that's potentially going to come, depending on your perspective of tribulation and pre and post and all that kind of stuff. You notice we didn't get into any of that. We got to the more, I think, to the more important stuff. And I want you to know that if you have taken the name of Jesus, then you are good and Jesus will preserve you if you pledge your allegiance to him. And if you've never done that, I want to just invite you today as we close our service and we get ready to take communion, I'm going to invite the worship team up as I pray. But I want all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes and pray along with me a prayer like this. If you're here today and you would say, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ, I don't know if I've ever done that. And I want to do that. I want to take his name on my forehead. Then with every head bowed and every eye closed, I invite you to pray a prayer like this with me even now. Just in your head. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just, in, just to yourself, between you and God, I want you to pray a prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you that the battle is already won. Jesus, I thank you that you defeated the forces of Satan when you went to the cross. And today, I profess my allegiance to you. Today I acknowledge my need for you. And I receive the salvation that comes only from you. Help me, Lord God, to love you with all my heart and soul and strength from this day forward and preserve me from the spirit of Antichrist. In Jesus' name, amen.